know you better. Would you say that with me? Father, I ask you to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. Amen. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 and 11. We're going to go ahead and go right there. So Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I think I'm going to start a series. I don't know if it's going to be two weeks or three weeks or one week. I don't know, but I'm starting something. And the Lord's just really been talking to me about stewardship. And I was just telling him before, I was like, I hate preaching on stewardship because I feel so convicted every time I think about it. Stewardship, taking care of our stuff, right? Being excellent at what we do. Not performance, but being excellent at everything we do. And um, I feel like uh, the Lord wants us to know that he, that he rewards stewardship. He rewards, it when, rewards us when we do things well. We do things the right way. And so in, in Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start with verse 35. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, because it has great reward. Did you hear that? Did you know that there's a reward attached to your confidence? All right, I'm going to have to come out here. I feel it already. How many of you would describe yourself as a confident person? Good for you. We all should be. We all should be. Someone prophesied over me on Thursday, and they said that they saw the confidence of the Lord coming upon me that I hadn't had. That was was what I was missing. I was like, okay. I can receive that. Um, confidence is not arrogance. Confidence comes from sons and daughters. It does not come from a servant. A servant cannot have confidence. But a son can have confidence. Someone who's not connected to the family cannot have confidence. It looks ugly when someone who's not in right relationship with God displays confidence because it's actually arrogance. Confidence comes from submission. Confidence comes from being surrendered as a son or daughter. And the writer of Hebrews here is telling us, do not throw away your confidence. Don't get rid of it. Don't remove it from your your being. Don't remove it from your personality. Because this confidence that you have, that you have gained through the things you have learned about God and about His kingdom and about yourself, this confidence that has been built inside of you has a reward attached to it. And if you will hold on to your confidence, if you will hold on to the fact that you are a son or daughter in good standing with the Father, then this confidence will reward you over and over and over and over again. In every situation of life, every circumstance, every obstacle you face, confidence will bring a reward into that situation because you're in surrender to the Father. He says, don't throw away your confidence, for it has great reward for you. He says, but you do have the need for endurance. Amen to that. How many want to have endurance? This is a race. This is a long race. It's a marathon. You've heard it thousands of times. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Hello? Your family being what you want it to be is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you have, you have need of confidence in that because it will reward you, but you have need of endurance so that, listen, so that when you have done what? Come on, help me out. You're going to have to help me out. When you have done the will of the Father, then you will have what you have asked Him for. 
you will receive what he has promised you. When do we get what he promised us? After we have done the will of the Father. That comes through endurance. Endurance. How many want to have enduring faith? It doesn't sound like fun. I want to have immediate faith. I want to have instant faith. Like I say it and boom, it happens. How many would love some of that too? Yeah. But there's this need in us for an enduring faith. Because everything's not always going to go exactly the way we hoped it would go. Amen? And in those seasons, in those times, it's very easy to get distracted and lose our confidence. But he says, don't throw away your confidence. Keep it. Because if you'll stir up that confidence, it will bring a reward with you. And if you have this endurance built inside of you, then you will do the will of the Father and you'll get the promise when you endure. Amen? And he says, for in a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. And he says, but my righteous ones, how do do we live? We're righteous ones, right? Righteous sons, and we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The righteous ones live by what? Say it again. The righteous live by faith. 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 Not, Not by what I see, not by what I know. I live by faith. The voice of the Lord is what builds my faith. Amen? So the righteous live by faith. And if he shrinks back, if he backs away from the battle, then, my, then I have no delight in him. Ooh, how many want to delight the Lord? Yeah. We're going somewhere. We're just setting a foundation. All right? I want to delight the Lord. The way I delight him is I am a person of faith. Amen? But we are not those. Would you say that with me? I am not those, not those. who shrinks back. But I am of those who have persevering faith. Come on. So let's go. What's faith? Let's read this real quick and we'll go for it. Faith is the substance. Chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. They gained rewards. Amen? By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. How were the worlds created? God spoke it. He spoke it into existence. How do we build our faith? We believe the things that he says. By faith, we believe that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God can, can make anything happen in any season, in any situation. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what you see or what you don't see. God can do anything in any season. He can make something out of nothing in every season of our life. That's what builds our confidence. That's what builds our faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice. Now, now we're going to go somewhere in just a moment. I want you to hear this, though. I want you to remember this verse right here. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice. What made Abel's sacrifice better than Cain's? It was by faith. It was obedient. God said, you bring me the first fruits, the best of the best, the fattest of your animals, the best of your crops. You bring that to me. Abel did that. Cain tried to cut corners. And it says that it was actually faith that caused Abel to be, uh, to cause Cain to be obedient. Abel, I said it right the first time. I always have to remember, Cain killed Abel. Cain killed. Cain killed. All right. By faith, 
Abel offered God a better sacrifice. There is a reward attached to our obedience. Everyone say that with me. Obedience Obedience. brings a reward. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was no longer around. He was no longer found because God took him up. Now let's look at verse 6 and we'll go for it. And without faith. I'm going to say with. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm going to say with me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And why is that important? Because of the second part of the verse. For those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of who? Those who seek him. What's the point? I have, I've heard this statement a lot lately. And so we even sat down. We had a family talk yesterday in the car about this specific topic. It was interesting because it, it, I was already planning on speaking this. And <clears throat> someone said, um, well, that was the right thing. They should have done it. How many of you have ever said something like that? When someone does the right thing, you kind of dismiss it. Like, well, it was the right thing. They should have done it. Like, there's no other option. They should have just done the right thing. And this is what hit me, and I'm, I'm being very vague with, with the situation. Here's the point. When we have that entitlement attitude, like, well, they should have done the right thing. We have disconnected their obedience in doing the right thing, and we have disconnected them from a reward. If a stranger that does not know God does something right, and we're like, well, of course, it was the right thing to do. They're human. They should have done the right thing. In my heart, I have removed honor from them because they still chose to do the right thing, which means God will reward their obedience and their sacrifice. We do it to ourselves. When we do the right thing, we're like, well, I should have. It was the right thing. Okay, yes, that's absolutely true. We should do the right thing. But when we do that, we disconnect ourselves from the fact that we have a choice of whether or not we do the right thing or not. And when we do the right thing, we get a reward from God. I don't know if you believe me yet or not. So here's what we've done. When someone does something right, I told my family, no. When someone makes a right choice, I want us to let them know if it's possible. It's not always possible. I want us to let them know. I recognize that you did the right thing. What I'm doing in that moment is I am opening up the windows of heaven over that person so that God can reward them. When an unbeliever does a righteous thing toward me, they don't do it because they're righteous, but they still chose to do the right thing. I, as a person with the ministry of reconciliation, want to open up heaven over that person's life and say, God, you see what this unrighteous person did for me? You see what this unrighteous person did in an act of faithfulness and obedience, not even knowing you as their father yet? Well, God, because of what they just did, I ask you reward them as their father. I ask that you put a target on their head that they will not be able to escape the reward that is your presence. It's a different way of living. And here's the point. If we can discipline ourselves to when we choose to do the right thing, say, God, I'm not doing it for the reward, but I want you to see that I had a choice here and I chose the right thing. I made a sacrifice and I did what was right. I offered you a better sacrifice, God. Will you remember me? 
This scripture here says that, that, Abel's, that, that Abel's blood still cries out from the ground about his sacrifice. That it actually brings before God a memory of this obedient act that he offered to God. It was the last act he had on earth. And his blood's crying out. Remember the sacrifice of obedience he made. Remember this, this act of faith and it's beautiful. And so I'm asking you to connect yourself right now to the fact that we have choices every single day. And we have, what we have done in the church is we have not meaning to. We have just said, well, we should have done the right thing. And we have disconnected ourselves from the rewarder who, who rewards those who faithfully and diligently seek him to do the right thing in the right season for the right reason. How many want to see the rewards of God poured into your life, the blessing of the Lord? I, I want to see this, and I know that this is a key for us. God, I'm choosing righteousness right now. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm this. I'm that. I, I joked last week when we were here that, that when everything was going on, I was just really proud that I didn't cuss someone out the last few weeks. To be honest with you, you get so angry on the phone with people that don't care about what's going on, and you just want to say words that matter. I want you to know how mad I really am. You feel that, oh, I'm so angry. And I didn't do it. And I was like, God, that's a victory because I'm so angry right now. I didn't even go over by myself and yell these things. I chose to bite my tongue. God, this was obedience to you. This was me being a man of, of self-control in a moment where I had every right to not be self-controlled. We do it that way. Well, I have a right to be mad. You're right. We have a right to be angry. We have a right to hold a grudge against somebody. We have a right to not forgive. We have a right to just say whatever we want to say and hurt people's feelings. We have a right to curse someone. But dead men don't have rights. And righteous people give up their rights to be offended, give up their rights to be angry, give up their right to, to hurt someone back who deserves it. And when we do this, it's like, oh, well, I should do it. I'm a Christian. You're right. We should do it. We're a Christian. But guess what? I choose to do it. I, it's not that I should do it. I choose to do it. And by choosing to do the righteous thing, he rewards me. There's a reward attached to this thing. We are not disconnected from the God who's the rewarder. Come on. Even the devil and demons believe that Jesus is the son of God. The reward does not come from just believing. Well, I believe. I believe. Good. That's part of it. That belief should motivate me into a decision of action. Even the demons tremble. But we go beyond believing. We go beyond trembling before God. We are a people of action. And we are a people of faith. And so he rewards those who diligently seek him, not those who diligently believe in him. Not those who diligently proclaim their belief and their following him and their pursuit of him, but those who actually do stuff and go after him. He's attracted to that. His rewards are attracted to those steps of diligent obedience and pursuing him. God rewards us when we steward our relationship with him. Did you know that God does not reward everyone the same way? Yeah. This is not socialism. There's no equal outcome here. With God, it's equal opportunities. 
And I do the right thing and he rewards me however he sees fit. Some people sow money and they reap money. Some people sow money and they reap divine health. It's up to God. It's up to God. God does not reward everyone the same. Well, I, I can do the same things. I can do the same steps of obedience and, and expect God to do the same in me as he's doing in that other person. That's, that's not how this thing works. God knows what rewards he needs to pour into my life for where I'm going, for who I'm supposed to be. I may not be able to handle someone else's reward. Come on. Amen? See, if he rewarded us all the same, we would all be mediocre. This is why I, I have such a hard time with, with, with public schooling. Because there's just not enough time and energy. I'm not talking bad about teachers at all. I'm talking about the system. I'm like, I'm so, so I'm not talking about you, Belinda. This is, you know how I feel about it. Like, the system is set up to just make 60% of the people the same. Like it, it, there's no help really for the for the really excellent ones that can't afford it. There's really no help for them to go into excelled stuff. I know we're trying, we're doing better. And then the people that are in the bottom ten percent that are struggling, it's really hard to help them out. So we really just aim at the middle. We make everyone the same. We just need to pass. You just need to have passing grades. Well, school's not about passing grades. I I fight with my kids about that all the time. Your grades don't matter to me, kids. Yeah. What? I mean, when I was growing up, I got rewarded for having A's and this kind of stuff. That, I, I love that. I got to eat Red Lobster because if we... We good? Yeah. All right, here's the point. This is where I want to end up. Set up for next week. God rewards the best stewards with more. Would you say that with me? God rewards the best stewards with more. When we need to steward what we have, because when we do, it attaches us to heaven's wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I have, not what I don't have. I can't steward what I don't have, what I wish I had. I can only steward what I do have. My marriages, my relationships, my finances, my health. All this stuff is what I do have. It's my responsibility to steward it. And when I steward it well, God rewards me. I'm not responsible for stewarding what I don't have yet, what I wish I had. When I don't steward what I have, it communicates one of two things. There may be more, but these are two things that I thought of. So if I don't steward what I have, I'm either saying this is not enough. So because it's not enough, I'm not going to take care of it. Or this is more than enough. This is plenty. So I either say, well, gosh, I don't want to steward this. This is not really, this is not where I wanted to live. This is not where I wanted to work. This is not how I wanted my family. I'm not going to steward it because it's not enough. This is not what I wanted. Or we get the other attitude. Oh, this is plenty. I don't want more. This is great. I can handle this. God doesn't want us to just steward. Stewardship does not mean maintain. Some of us think, like I think of, when I say I want to steward my home well, we think of maintenance. Take care of the yard, rake the leaves, clean, do those kinds of things, right? 
We all need to do better at that stuff. But stewardship actually does not mean maintain. It actually means increase the value of. It means to invest in. God wants us to steward well. Here's the point. Stewardship is actually godly. God is a steward. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. That's stewardship. Y'all track with me, okay? The train of his robe filled the temple. The word filled means to fill up and to continue to fill into overflow. That's stewardship. Jesus says, feed these 5,000 men plus women and children. Well, we don't have anything. What do you have? Well, we have a little boy's lunch. Five loaves, two fish. That's all I need. To steward this to meet the need. And not only did it Stewardship. Not only did it feed all the people that were there, they took up leftovers because that's stewardship. Stewardship is not maintaining to a certain level. It's the increase. It's prosperity. And God stewards, so he has made us stewards. What's the point of all this? If we will steward, the Bible says, and we'll get into this probably next week, If we will steward ungodly wealth, earthly things, then he will trust and trust to us true riches, which are his kingdom. What's the whole point of all of this? Let's look at Solomon real quick. When the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, she was amazed. Now she was probably the richest person in the world. And if she wasn't, she was equal to Solomon in wealth. And she was amazed when she came to his house. And scholars discuss this and talk about it and say that she was amazed at the way he set the table. The way his servants prepared the the linen cloths for their their meal and the way they, the place settings for their meal and the way they decorated and how clean the place was. She was in awe of the stewardship of Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon. See, wisdom causes us to steward well. It's better God's way. We sing it. I can't get over that line in that song. It's so much better your way. That is the absolute truth. Come on. It's just better God's way. And she even said this, that she was in awe with the way that Solomon climbed the stairway into heaven. I think it says it like this. She was in awe of the way he climbed the, the, the stairway into God's presence. What does that mean? He stewarded earthly things and it gave him access to a stairway into heavenly things. And he stewarded the earthly things so well that it caused a woman who was a heathen woman, an idol worshiper, to be in awe of Jehovah because of the way this man Solomon had his servants set the table. Not just that though, the wisdom by which he could climb into the mind of God the stairway into heaven and understand mysteries and the things of God that no man should understand. But God gave him access to that because he stewarded well what he was given. Now let's go back in time. Why was Solomon so wise? Well, in Proverbs chapter 4, he gives us a snapshot of why. 
He says, when I was a little boy, I was the only child of my mother on my father's knee. He told me, get wisdom, get understanding. And in all you're pursuing, get wisdom, for she will guard your heart. She will make you prosper, and life will go well for you. Fast forward into 1 Kings when he's asleep one night. The Lord himself appears to Solomon and says, Solomon, I want to give you anything you want. What do you want? Come on. I want wisdom. Yeah. Why did he know? David, as his father, poured into him. The most important thing was to steward the wisdom of God. When he was really asking, he wasn't asking for wisdom of intellect. The wording he used was, I want to know how to go before the people. In other words, I want to know how to stand before you and gain the way you think and be able to communicate it to the people. Yeah. So God says, I'm going to give you that. Yeah. He asked, I want to know how to climb the stairway into the throne of heaven. God said, okay. And because you didn't ask for wealth yeah. or for power or for any of these other things, I'm going to give you all of it. Uh-huh. Because I know you're going to steward things well because you climb the stairway into the mind of God. Yeah. And you're going to steward the things on earth well. And I'm just going to continue to increase your access to the things of heaven. This is where God's taking us. It's in the little bitty things. I'm so convicted. And I want to, I want, (laughs) have you seen all the windows around this place? Do you know how dirty they all are? Not all of them. Three quarters of them? Because it's so much for us to clean. I promise you the next couple weeks, the first thing I'm calling, hey, get out here. I don't care what it costs. We got to get all these windows clean because I don't like the way it looks. It doesn't speak excellence. It doesn't speak that people are actually here. Why am I doing this? Because I care about appearance? No, I care about stewarding. Yeah. I want to I put Levi on the ground and let him go and not be afraid. I want every inch of this place to be excellent. As excellent as we can make it. We're like, well, we may not be able to do this. I don't care about doing this or that. I care about doing what we can do as a house. I don't own the home I live in. We rent. But I want, I told him when we signed the lease that I would take care of it as if it was my own house. And I have not done that as well as I should. I don't have to send him receipts to take off my rent. I live there. When people come, when you come to my house, when people come to my house, that's me there. You're seeing how I take care of stuff there. And sometimes I'm not very happy about that. I want to, I want to be better. Not so that you can say, oh, Jared is so excellent. No, I want you to know that if I will steward a bathroom, come on, I will steward your family. And I will steward the church's finances. And I will steward the wisdom that God pours into this house. I want all of us to say, man, if, if I will steward my car, if I will steward my marriage, then God will trust me with the kingdom. Come on. This is what this is about. Because he rewards good stewardship. Yeah. It's not a system where we can trick God. Because yeah. you, you can't make yourself be a good steward. No. You know why? You can make yourself be good at maintaining. Yeah. But only God adds increase. So I can't be a good steward without surrender to God. I can maintain to a level, but only God can increase what I have. He only does that when I steward well what I do have. It's not about performance. It's about having his heart about things. He's excellent. He's the excellent one. Come on. 
He's beautiful. He is the name. He is beauty. Yeah. He's the measuring stick of everything. And God wants us to become good stewards. Amen. Really good stewards so that he can give us true riches. How many want true riches? Yeah. I'm talking about the kingdom, man. Come on. Come on. Father, we come to you now. We ask him. If that's you, just ask him right here. stand. Let's pray into this as a body. Thank you. Would y'all pray? I don't want to pray in the mic. I don't want to reveal too much of myself. <laughs> let's just all, let's literally pray. Let's repent for not stewarding well. And then let's get his mind about this.